Camarda Wealth offers complimentary, that's free folks, portfolio reviews to listeners. Get us your statements and we will thoroughly examine your portfolio, give you opinions on the risk and quality of each position you own, as well as how wisely we believe the whole thing holds together and how efficiently it addresses your needs and goals. At the same time, we'll also opine on how protected your assets are from financial predators, your estate plan, tax savings opportunities, and other ways we can think that you can cut risk, avoid probate, save money, and just plain get richer faster. Did I mention this service was free? Just call us at 888-CAMARDA, that's C-A-M-A-R-D-A, 888-CAMARDA, to set up your free portfolio review now. All right, so folks, you are back with your Commodore Wealth Leaders and the uh, the somewhat su- surprising and slightly scintillating debate uh, here in the booth over the active versus passive investing. So I believe, and I think most of our co-hosts believe, um, that there are opportunities to exploit information to do better than the market. Some stocks in the S&P 500 do a lot better than others. Some, some, some go up, some go down. The average return um, includes even the losers for a, a less uh, attractive return than if you just bought the winners. And I very much believe that winners, uh, if you're smart and you and you, you you study and you do a lot of research, you can on on unearth um, exceptional opportunities and profit from them. And I don't think anybody would disagree. And we do it all the time, not just with securities, but real estate and buying consumer goods like cars and so forth um, by wholesale plants. You know, did this old pricing is not the same everywhere, and you can take advantage of it. So getting back to the, this thing about indexing, when this came you know, through some, some of my PhD studies, um, investment uh, um, the theory class I'm taking now, um, and I was kind of surprised, though, to learn that we've all heard about the efficient market hypothesis, right? And the efficient market hypothesis basically says that uh, the market assimilates all available information and things are always priced at the right price because the market, collective, very intelligent human beings, collective humanity in the market processes all this information like a great supercomputer and sets the exactly right price based on all available information. That's pretty much the gist of it. There's a lot of you know variance, but that's pretty much the gist, right? And the I was I didn't really appreciate that the efficient market hypothesis founded on the rational expectations hypothesis, and uh, which says. That all that, that that human beings are rational, passionless creatures, right? Uh, they always make the best decision, free of emotion. Strike one. Strike one. The uh, out both sexes now. This is not. This is that. There's really no gender bias it's in this. Across the board. Uh, across the board. <laughs> well, across the board. <laughs> then crossing the line. Women get more thought to their investment decisions. The uh, um, and the and all pri- the rational creatures have access to all the information in the world. Process and have all the time in the world to process that information and always come up with the right price. And that really is, does anybody, that, 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 that seemed reasonable on the face of it? Uh, no. Or just no. crazy, right? I, I disagree with bottom portfolio theory probably about eight years ago based upon readings on behavioral finance. Yeah, well, and which is you know, certainly a variant of uh, the efficient market hypothesis in some regards. But the, 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 the premise is, and this is, this is baked into economics, over decades, and, and, sold and really, many. believe it, you know, and really is in many ways responsible for the crash of 2008, because you know these market mechanisms believe they to be infallible, and it must be the right price, uh, so we can sell these derivatives and mortgages, and the housing prices are correct uh, because the uh, the market is uh, um, uh, is infallible. But it really is that amazing. They still teach it. 
Yeah, but yeah, but it's, strong, it's been, strong. I, I, but I got to tell you, there's a lot of you know. That's an interesting uh, artifact. But at the, at the cutting edge of academia, it really I don't want to say discredited, but it is certainly viewed um, uh, quite askance. You know, most most ec- economists realize that it doesn't work, and it probably was kind of crazy to begin with. Um, and but it's interesting you say so that though, because because the textbooks there's so much overhang of this old theory. You know that continues to be taught and probably will be for right. years and years, it's like presidential history even, even after change. it's you know widely decredited. I mean, they still have you know the CFA newest editions of you know like the Random Walk Down Wall Street, which is where the first popular book on you know index investing came out, and they're still talking about. And the actually, same that's stuff. you know in a previous segment, I say everybody has an agenda because that that fellow, that author, you know, is uh, um, I think he's an owner in DFA, or or he's uh, mm-hmm. he certainly yeah. has some economic interest in promoting, promoting indexing it. as a product. Um, so, comment. Uh, do you have any comments on that, Sonia? You know, on, on the so ra- Morton, rational expert. Yeah, get back to me on that. <laughs> You'll be taught the same thing. Over, I'm sending you that in January. I'll be a true Philadelphia believer. in January. Um, so that's just crazy. I think and indexing really is, in a lot of ways, an artifact of uh, of rational expectations. You can't do better than a market, so you might as well get it cheap because pricing information is. Uh, um, the, it's just baked in and automatic. It's, can you, it's just astonishing that people are you know make stupid decisions. They don't have complete information. They don't have time to think about investments. Maybe they're busy at a job or practicing law or Impossible. medicine. You know, and just they don't care. Some people just don't care, and they could be smart and have access to information and time, but they choose to think about other things in their limited time. But it makes it sure easy to sleep. You know, at night as an advisor, when you're on a golf course at 11 a.m. on a Friday, believing that, though, isn't it? Would you, believing what? Well, I'm saying many advisors who adhere to that theory. It's a lot easier than for, to be playing golf in the middle of the day because there's nothing to do because, hey, this is just what it is. I'm just saying it's kind of the, uh, the lazy um, uh, mantra that's been uh, you know, cloaked over the industry that there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, it's actually, and then they're a psychologist as opposed to doing something while they're playing golf and talking to or, you. Or, or whatever they're doing. But you know, the you people know, that, that, buy, that buy into you know, indexing as, a, uh, um, the, uh, as, I don't say infallible, but as the, the smart way to invest, maybe you're missing a boat in a lot of ways. Well, I mean, it really perpetuates the buy and hold strategy. And you can see that when markets go down, you know, a lot of people are always wondering, well, what is the advisor doing for me? Uh, you know, what have they done to insulate me? Or are they, are they trading out? Are they repositioning the, the portfolio in these index funds? They go and down, and, and, and then they keep going down. And let's continue that because when, that when the market hold. dropped back in early August, you know, Camarda runs a variety of active strategies, some fundamental based on buying stuff cheap, basically, and others are um, more tactical based on market momentum and charts and so forth. Jonathan, as a chartered market technician, uh, runs several as a chief uh, portfolio analyst uh, for several of our uh, technical strategies. And you were selling in Chartist and the other ones the first day that stuff uh, started dropping back in August, were you not? Yeah, eight eighteen, eight nineteen. Uh, yeah, maybe more luck. Yes, it's so, better to be lucky than good. But well, I, 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 that's a moment of rare humility for you. Yeah, I was, doing the, I was doing the Trump. I was doing the I was doing the Trump humble deal. Sorry. About that. So I'm going uh, um, to try to. Uh, um, uh, I'm going to record that and play it over and over in my sleep because yes. I'm not sure we'll get another one this year. But, you know, to your credit, you use your, um, your rules, you know, and, and you had certain signals and things changed, your relative strength or whatever, and you started selling very, very uh, quickly and uh, uh, methodically very early in that drop. And then used, uh, you know, t- took advantage of subsequent selling and buying opportunities when things got cheap and it looks like things are turning around. But the point is 
that you know had you sold that first or second day uh, you would have been a lot happier than what happened in the aftermath and then bought back in maybe closer to the bottom if you did and followed the strategy you'd probably do better than somebody simply bought and hold or you know the, the strategies that I prefer like for fundamental analysis in, in our Columbia portfolio uh, which I'm extremely proud um, they know there's the, the one stock that we've owned, you know, and identified the value that, that it's a really good company making money with good assets, selling for cheaper than it's worth. Um, that uh, Berkshire Hathaway, that uh, um, that Warren Buffett wound up putting an acquisition announcement in a PCP, you know. So you can't. I like to use the real estate analogy because because I'm uh, uh, have a lot of rental houses. I've been investing in real estate since the early '80s, and you there are. In Jacksonville and virtually every city right now, um, there are houses, rental houses, I'll say a block house, you know, built in the 60s, central heat and air, three bedrooms, bath and a half, um, that uh, um, you can rent for a thousand bucks a month, right? Those, those are pretty common houses in, in, in most markets. And there are some that you can, they'll, they'll be asking $120,000 for that house. And there are some on the same street, the same neighborhood, you could probably get all in for under 70. It's the same basic, you know, good or commodity. But if you're getting $12,000 a year gross rents divided by 120, that's 10% before expenses and vacancy, which you'll have. I'd much be rather divided by 70, right, Moose? Um, without a doubt. Yeah. But, I mean, that just shows you, you know, that... Uh, and it stocks you the same way. That's just a good analogy. But, but please continue. But, you know, you're making your money going in. And it's because you had an approach and you bought it at a at, at the right price. And, and and that's what is amazing is that, you know, maybe it was access to information that you knew that this property could be obtained at a lower price, but more more often than not, it was a motivated seller. Well, you would think that, you know, there are people who sell securities because they just want to get out real and not even thinking that that's not the best you know, economic decision. Yeah, market pricing efficiently, I think, is, is a, an illusion for a lot of reasons, but mostly because things are different. You can't check all the information. People make foolish decisions. They, may, they use mental shortcuts or heuristics to make decisions rather than the full-blown analysis. Uh, but there are opportunities to be exploited in virtually everything that's for sale. You know, I'm building houses, you know, and I had a lot of plumbing fixtures to purchase, and we shopped them locally. Uh, and we're able to find exactly the same stuff, exactly the same stuff, retail for like 40% less. Same thing. Why is that? Well, there's a lot of uh, different, too lazy to well, look, different right? profit margins sellers are willing to take. But I had that example, same thing last week. I had to buy a replacement uh, Bluetooth. And I was more interested in getting it Would done. Very, please, We're turning it into the car show here. Grin, grin for me. Would you please? Replace oh, that's a lovely Bluetooth. <laughs> yeah, not, uh, a, not a gold tooth, but a Bluetooth. Hey, Rob, you're and, even prettier now. And I bought it at, at, a, at a big box store for $40. And just for, the, for grins and giggles, I went on Amazon, and it was I could get it for half the price. I thought he was eating blueberries instead of oats. Well, some of the metaphors <laughs> I like to use with people is, is from a real estate standpoint is, is that you know equities are the timing that real estate is to location. So when you buy and hold it, you don't know what you're owning. It's much like just closing your eyes or being blind, buying the same house in Duluth as you can in Monterey without knowing the location. Obviously, there's a pricing difference when you go to sell it. It's the same thing if you don't do your research on security. So real estate, the location is the equities and timing a lot of times. Kind of. But, you know, if you can get the same house like side by side or you can buy a really good stock, you know, for $100 a share and there's a mediocre stock for $100 a share, that, that really good stock is worth more. You're getting it for cheaper than its value, which just isn't appreciated by enough of the market to drive it up, which is what we do with fundamental investing. Um, 
Any other comments on, on taking advantage of uh, market opportunities? Well, I think that in the, in the mutual fund world, uh, you know, over time, you know, there have been certain money managers who have proven consistently that they have the ability to outperform passive in, passive indexed investments. Like Lynch, you're going to use this again? Well, I wasn't even thinking. No, I'm going go back, back down, even further so back into of, the seven. But such a dearth of talent. I, I mean, you know, even Bill Miller from Leg Mason for years, he beat the market, you know, for 15, 15 straight years or something. Now he had one bad year and he got clobbered uh, and he's come back. But still, you know, he was able to find, you know, incredible values out there. When I first started looking at investing, uh, there used to be a, a mutual fund company it was started by a guy named Max Hine, and he tended to buy bankrupt securities. And he made amazing returns. And he taught Michael Price, you know, everything he knew about investing. And he built a huge mutual fund company called, uh, you know, the Mutual Funds that he eventually sold for billions of dollars to Franklin Templeton. But he made his, his clients a lot of money. And the other thing that was good about somebody like that and what I've learned for myself is that sometimes they can manage funds. They may not go up quite as much in up markets, but they don't go down nearly as much in down markets. And I think it's a lot easier. I mean, for me personally, I've tried to design my own portfolios to accomplish that. And if you find the right managers, I think you can do that. And right. obviously, Kamar feels that we are the right managers and have a host of actively managed strategies. But isn't that astonishing that so much of the world and government and, you know, and, and you know, esteemed academic institutions like Chicago Booth School, a lot of this came out of, and MIT and so forth, you know, convinced themselves this is how the world must operate, you know, and, uh, um, the, and it, just, it just flat on the face, common sense wrong, that people, you know, some people are able to, to do better in business or sports or whatever based on ability information. And mm-hmm. you can find you can get winners. Is, is Jonathan, it, last word is, before we warm up for the Cousin Vito segment. Is it, is it really surprising there's a detachment between uh, high academia and the real world, though, in a lot of cases? Uh, I well, mean, there's many things that are taught in theory that essentially just... We haven't really got time way. to get into that, yeah. but, it, it, but you know, certainly you know, human beings doing research are fallible. You know, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff that comes out of academia, so I, I, you know, I'm not going to... There's gonna a lot of pay. biasness as well. I mean, you know, everyone has an agenda. Be careful. He is working on his PhD. I, I don't, I, I, listen, I'm just tell, I, I've listened to professors and such, and there's... Well, I mean, that, that's that certainly that's you know uh, um, we'll save that debate for uh, um, for off the air. But certainly in this case, I think some major blunders. And you know who's really interesting that uh, um, that I'm going to work up for my paper for this class is George Soros, and he has had a theory of economics called reflexivity uh, that uh, we won't get into now. But he's he wants to be a serious considered to be a serious economist, and he was widely pushed to the side. Oh no, you know Soros, you know that that doesn't make any sense. And the guy who makes billions and billions and billions of dollars clearly is an extremely astute practitioner of exploiting pricing discrepancies. It's obvious on his face. And academia, to Jonas's point, widely ignored him. That may be changing now. Anyway, folks, we tick down to, uh, to the break. Stay with you, Camarda Wealth Education Leaders. The best segment of the show is yet to come. Johnny Hotstocks, a slamming academia in all of its gilded guises from God knows what voice he'll be um, emanating in Look just a moment. You want to stay with your Camarda Wealth Education Leaders? We'll be right back. And by the way, if you want to call us, 800-262-1083. That's 800-262-1083. Stay with us. 
Camarda Wealth Leaders' levity is intentional as we aim to be the car talk of financial radio, entertaining, hugely funny, and offering penetrating financial insight and rare expertise across a broad spectrum of wealth-related topics. We're dead serious about money, but want you to have fun, too, and laugh all the way to the bank. Unlike many financial radio shows, this is not one long commercial or constant annuity pitch. I hate those constant annuity pitches. This is Wealth Education Radio, and we aim to share best financial practices that can truly supercharge your wealth. Do we expect some of you will want to become clients? Sure, but because the chemistry is right, and because you come to believe that the wealth leaders, that's us, can get it done better than your other choices. That's your decision. But when it comes to investing, we're fiduciaries. We put our clients' interests first, and that's a promise you can take to the bank. For more information and free reports, call us now at 888-CAMARDA. That's 888-C-A-M-A-R-D-A. Do it now while it's on your mind, folks. Folks, we are back, and the moose like to do it abides. And here we go with the, who do you have in the bag this week, Cousin Johnny Hot Stocks? Huh? Whose head is poking out? We got uh, we got uh, Michael Spinks in the house. He's going to start us off because what more appropriate with the Fed decision and the such uh, that we had the, uh, several days ago and the reaction towards that. We have a few other guests, so we're just going to get started with me because, uh, you know, I'm great. So let's just get started with the market right now. I mean, obviously, we've had a rebound off of the August lows, but certainly the Fed's decision over the last week or so has caused some consternation of a uh, hypothetical weakness in the global economy because a lot of folks obviously wanted to see a confirmation of um, you know, a rate hike, at least to show some confidence that the economic picture was clearing. But clearly, no pun intended, what you have is the China situation certainly is driving policy here. And so it's a little worrisome to, uh, to some. You know, it's like the punch ball that we've been hitting over the last several years, which has certainly helped grease the market. It's almost like the market is not reacting to it anymore. I mean, it's like, yes, okay, great, uh, but they're not doing anything. So there is some uncertainty. And as you know, the market hates uncertainty. And that's what we have right now. And what you've seen is the dollar, which was very strong, certainly weakening. A little pickup in gold here over the last week or so. And what you have as well is, of course, Europe not doing as well. with Again, the dollar weakening, that obviously isn't good with the cross-currency effect because obviously the euro is uh, you know even more attractive than the dollar, which obviously... Obviously hurts exports for Europe. So it is a mess. I mean, Japan has been a mess. Um, you know, certainly the Buffett indicator about a month ago, uh, you know, certainly indicated that Japan could take a hit. And of course, you're seeing that again and uh, with the situation, uh, you know, even with the yen. So as we take a step back now, and we kind of look at it. I was joking about Spinks, of course. You expect to get to this segment with him. Uh, you know, what we're also looking at right now is uh, banks and as such certainly have not reacted well. So if you're in your financials and your advisors have stacked up because they are active management's kudos, but the financials are obviously getting hit because lower rates are not conducive to their, uh, to, to their spreads as you look at that. Now, surprisingly, energy has been somewhat resilient, probably more of a longer-term dead cat bounce, but with the dollar weakening, certainly gives energy a little room to run. Uh, you know, gold is picked up, as I said before, but don't get full. No pun intended. And uh, Jeff's been watching the Bloomberg, the late night advertisement. When he mentioned gold at 1500, it reminds me just like the guy that says, get in now. 
being facetious, of course. And that what's, is a short... in, what's in your feedback, Moose? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, is that before the Fed decision a, a little over a week ago, we had these emerging markets, a lot of these countries like China and the such starting to bounce and lead higher. And they may, they may do that. But of course, they all took hard hits in response. Uh, certainly, it's, you know, it's funny with emerging markets because usually we would want lower rates here for it to be attractive for them because obviously the strong dollar hurts them with their commodity inflows and outflows. But even they have reacted poorly to this. So as I take a look at the landscape right now, you expect a lot of volatility. And as we move into October, a few weeks away from the next meeting, you know, the biggest thing here is, again, is the uncertainty. I called it in my latest blog, the hunt for Fed October. I don't even know because Janet's not, she usually doesn't give a speech at the October meeting. So it'll be very interesting to see actually how that message is conveyed. I can't imagine they're lifting rates without the speech. So it'll be interesting to see what they have behind the curtain. Anyway, this is kind of a wide open forum. If anyone has a question, Questions. I have uh, Tony, I have Mike. Uh, any off-the-cuff yeah, questions? Yeah, I got a question for you, Johnny. Oh. That's, 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 I got this? a question. So I, think, you? You know, so I think a lot I'm not really sure of myself. <laughs> you sound like the guy that was it's selling true. computers up in New York in the 80s. Crazy yeah. Elliot. Crazy, crazy Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Crazy Eddie. How are you doing? Please try my product. Absolutely. <laughs> so so I, th- I think what you're saying is that the uncertainty now of when the Fed is going to raise, the punch ball people kind of are, you know, the low rates are not going to have the juice anymore. And I think a lot of the market was kind of expecting a raise. And now is concerned the Fed isn't raising because they see greater economic uncertainty around the world that may presage, you know, another recession or maybe a market decline. So I think that's probably where the market's reaction is coming from. What's your take on that, uh, would well, you I, say you had space? Yeah, well, I think not. Yeah, uh, here's Michael, actually. I got my fist. How about Jack Welch? You got Jack Welch in there, Jack? <laughs> yeah, 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 Jeff. And anyway, it's good, to, it's good to see you today. Yeah, I'm getting a little boisterous here. But uh, yeah, yeah, the fact of the matter is this. You're absolutely right. There's uh, certainly uh, there's a spell of a lack of confidence out there uh, with not raising the rates. Now, there's many pundits, uh, you know, you watch the TV, that said that they shouldn't raise rates because obviously the global banks were telling them not to. It's really, a, it's really a thing of should they or should they? It doesn't change. <laughs> The global picture. It is a very, it's a mess out there, kind of like the company I left ten years ago. Can I say that? <laughs> I already did. Uh, anyway, listen, that's all we have. Uh, Arnie's actually pumping again. Good luck with that, Annie. And we'll guys, you know, we'll see you next time here on your Kamado Wealth Leaders. Hey. Uh, you Have me lo- back again, please. You gotta love those washing machines. Boy, you built a fine product, Jack. You built a fine product. Sorry to see Thank the, you. Thank you very much. The division go. Anyway, you have endured yet another week with Commodore Wealth Education Radio. If you would like more information or would like to be a guest on the show or have your question aired, please call us at 800 262 That's 800 262 See you at Metaphorically Speaking next week. You've invested yet another hour in Camarda's Wealth Education Radio, your one source for sublime insight on all things financial. As Ben Franklin said, pour the coins from your purse into your mind, and your mind will fill your purse with gold. Remember the Camarda Wealth Leaders' warm offer of a complimentary review of your investments portfolio. That's a free analysis from the financial team with almost more letters than in the entire alphabet, an offer that makes old Ben smile even now. To get yours before we change our minds, call 888-CAMARDA. That's 888-C-A-M-A-R-D-A. Call now before we run out. That's it for this week, folks. Go forth and profit. 
The opinions expressed in the preceding program are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers, and may not reflect the opinions of the advertisers or broadcaster. Performance results are presented net of fees and reflect the reinvestment of dividends and capital gains. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that future performance of any specific investment or strategy will be profitable or equal to past performance levels. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. Changes in investment strategies, contributions, withdrawals, and or economic conditions may materially alter the performance of your portfolio. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk. There can be no assurance any specific investment strategy will be suitable or profitable for any client's investment portfolio. Historical results for investment indexes or categories generally do not reflect the deduction of transaction fees or custodial charges or an investment manager's fees, the presence of which could reduce the client's actual performance results. There are no assurances that a portfolio will match or outperform a particular benchmark. Asset allocation and diversification do not assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. That testing involves a hypothetical reconstruction based on past market data of which the performance of a particular account would have been if the advisor had been managing an account using a particular investment strategy. Performance results presented do not represent actual trading using client assets, but were achieved through the retroactive application of a model that was designed with the benefit of hindsight. Back-tested performance results have inherent limitations, particularly that these results do not represent actual trading and do not reflect the impact of material market or economic conditions or factors that may influence the advisor's decision-making if the advisor were actually managing the client's money. Back-tested results should not be viewed as indicative of the advisor's skill, as they do not reflect the results achieved by any particular client of the advisor. Barron's rankings are survey-based and not made as a result of primary research by Barron's, but from information provided by ranked advisors. It should not be assumed that all advisor-based data is checked by Barron's.